I think jumping into what a lot of people would consider to be like a dumpster fire, which is a social platform, and wanting to own that and and make that better, you got to really want to take on something hard. And, and I think that's really what he's doing. Welcome to this week's episode of Currently, the podcast that brings you the week's current events in finance, business, and technology with insight from the experts. I'm Grant Stoddard. My co-host is Ryan Pallotta, and today we're talking with Jeff Bryans about some less picked over aspects of Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter. Before becoming Prometheus's lead product manager, Jeff honed a strong background in financial markets, corporate finance, and qualitative intelligence. And as you're about to hear, Jeff has an incredible ability to take financial news, distill it in an entertaining way, and provide sure-footed, thought-provoking insight. In our chat with Jeff, we discuss Musk's superhuman ability to attract talent, whether the outcry around the acquisition holds up to scrutiny, and theorize on why Tesla's share price dropped 12% or two twitters on the news. We also kick around common perceptions of Elon and how much of them don't jive with his actions or his lifestyle. We also touch upon what a privately held Twitter could look like and how a truly astounding mind may set about unlocking its value. Here's our chat with Jeff Bryans. So for today's episode, I really wanted to bring on Jeff to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the news regarding, obviously, Twitter and Tesla. Jeff has some incredible insights all the time and wanted to have a little bit of a conversation about that. Um, Jeff, what do you think is going on with uh, um, everything and what are your thoughts on Elon buying Tesla? Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, lots to talk about here. And uh, um, it's it's really interesting as to what we're seeing in the market uh, with respect to kind of an unprecedented acquisition. Um, I know you follow financial news and, and in a previous life, uh, I did all day, every day. Um, and, and I can say out of the last 11, 12 years, I've never seen anything like it. And I don't think the market really uh, has a, a benchmark for something like this uh, in terms of the world's richest man acquiring not uh, just a media company, but a platform. It's really unique. Um, and, you know, Bunch of things we can talk about here, but but one of the one of the notable things I, I, I was watching yesterday is the pressure Tesla's been put under as a result of this uh, proposed acquisition or really accepted acquisition at, at mm-hmm. this point. That's that's one interesting thing. The the other interesting thing to me is the discount Twitter is trading at compared to Elon's proposed mm-hmm. uh, takeout price. We're seeing like an eight to nine percent delta there. Does that show that people think there's some uncertainty around the deal possibly going through? Yeah, I, I don't honestly know. Um, you know, one of my, my good buddies, uh, or maybe not good buddies, but a buddy of mine who works in the venture space, uh, Paul Kodrowski, had had some comments on Twitter, uh, noting how he's never seen anything like that, and it's definitely a reflection of risk. He's a smarter guy than myself, but but my question is, considering Elon's underlying net worth and bankers' willingness to work with him, and his qualitative reasons for wanting to do the deal. It's really surprising to me, you know, at, at face value, it seems like an easy way to make, yeah. you know, eight, nine yeah. percent on your money. Right. But what are we missing is, is, is kind of what I'm what I keep thinking about. Do you think that's a similar reason why we're, we saw like a 12 percent decrease in Tesla's stock yesterday? They lost like one hundred billion dollars in one day. Yeah. So so this is a this is a bigger topic and, and in the whole tech space and really market sold off yesterday. And so I, I went to the I went back to um, some historical performance and started looking at uh, how Tesla's really done in the in in recent, let's call it memory. So yeah, yesterday it lost two Twitters mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> basically. Uh, and the stock's down 
what, 24% since the start of April. And they were, they were down previously there. I think they're around five, 600 bucks as low as five, 600 bucks a few months ago. And they, they rallied back up. Yeah. So, so if you look at, if you back the lens up, and this is what I thought was interesting, you back the lens up six months, uh, Tesla's down 16%. Mm-hmm. Uh, this compares to the S&P 500 down around 8%. So it's roughly uh, doubling uh, the, the, the performance and the wrong direction of the S&P. If you back the lens up to a year, however, Tesla's up 25%. The S&P 500 is flat. So it's still a good investment if, if you had, you know, I think anybody would kill for 25% year over year over year over year. So, so it, you know, Tesla is historically a very volatile stock. Um, as to the exact rationale as to why it sold off yesterday, I think one of the, the concerns is the deal, um, the collateral for the deal is, is largely stock. underwritten by the banks uh, from Tesla's stock, right? That's mm-hmm. Elon's big uh, holding there. Um, so I think I think some of the concern is, well, A, Elon has to come to the table with a bunch of cash. So he's got to sell some stock. So we know we're going to have excess supply in the market in the near term, right? So I, I think that's part of the reason it sold off. And then, you know, like I said, I think part of the reason too is 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 just the underlying volatility of that particular security has always been high. So I don't think we're going to perfectly or, you know, identify the exact catalyst, but it is interesting to see the price action there. I'd like to talk a little bit about the potential of Elon taking this public again one day. We saw this happen again previously with Michael Dell taking Dell Computers private when he was struggling with them shorting his company. He did bring it public again later on. Do you think that's something that you could see here? Like it's, Elon is going to have to maybe do that one day to monetize his stake in it. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is the other part that I find really interesting. So, kind of what you were talking about at the top is uh, there's a lot of reasons that Elon might want to to take Twitter private and own Twitter. Uh, I think you know the internet is is uh, is is roiling with all of these the, the kind of qualitative opinion based uh, pieces about how this is good for democracy or bad for democracy and how this is a quote narcissist billionaire doing mm-hmm. blah 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 because you know it's Elon doing Elon things. But what I don't see a lot of discussions about is this is actually maybe a really good business decision. And, and what I mean by that is if you look at Twitter from a business perspective and you go back to 2013 when they IPO'd. So they famously IPO'd around 20-something dollars a share and the banks totally mispriced the deal. And I remember the next day it popped. The opening trade, so for mm-hmm. like you know guys like you and me that could trade it, um, it, it started trading. I actually wrote it down because I was interested. Uh, it was in the 40s. It was like $41 or something like that. I ran just a, a basic inflation calculator on that. So if you took their IPO price, again, what they were actually trading at November of 2013 and brought that forward, um, Elon's actually acquiring the company for less money. Yeah, And that's, that's really interesting to me. So you compare Twitter to Facebook or any other social app, and they're the dog. And Honestly, I, I should have disclosed this. I guess at some point, I am a Twitter shareholder. But um, y- you know, did you buy previous to Elon's announcement? Yeah, yeah, I, I've been a, a shareholder for for longer than I probably should have. And I think <laughs> a lot of people like myself have held the stock, thinking some at some point, you know, the right management team is going to come in and turn this thing on. It's never been a growth company. You yeah. know, it's it's underperformed in every single way, mm-hmm. especially when you start to look at the dilution due to um, stock-based comp and stuff like that. Well, what I think is interesting about that, though, is that we continue to use it, even though it's not a great product that people keep complaining about. But with Facebook, people just stopped using it. Like, I don't know it's any true. of the friends that still use Facebook, but it's still... Um, but then with Twitter, people still just gr- grit and bear it and keep using it. So I think there's an underlying product that people love. 
It's it's really interesting you say that, Ryan, because because it, it seems like you know a number of the people you and me look up to are on Twitter, and if you want to get their breaking thoughts, you got to be on Twitter, like David Sachs or you know Chamath or uh, you know really anybody in the venture community or or any intellectual in academia. Um, it, it's kind of like their mouthpiece. It's it's a really powerful tool, um, but they have, as you were just pointing to, like they haven't iterated very well. I think the best feature they've brought forward was knocking off clubhouse with spaces, yeah, spaces. as we've talked about mm-hmm. a lot that's been a great you know feature for them um but really they haven't they haven't done much to to monetize their user base all that well and i don't think they've run the business all that well and i think this is what elon sees as a potential um place to really just make some money so i think everybody's like looking at this as him doing this because he's a narcissist and i'm like you know elon's a pretty smart guy and he's got a pretty amazing track record of operating as a ceo like, I don't think there's a better operator right now in tech. Yeah, and that's kind of, that's kind of one thing I wanted to talk about, too. Like, you, t- you talk about how everybody's freaking out, saying that it's being run by a narcissist or that's uh, how scary it is that a billionaire owns such a large communication tool. But, you know, I've studied media for my entire life, and we've always had billionaires own media companies. Right. You know, Murdoch, right. Soros, uh, Bloomberg's owned by Bloomberg. Uh, the Atlantic is now owned by Steve Jobs' former wife. Um, Washington, Washington Post, Post is by Jeff yeah. Bezos. And so on and so forth. Uh, you know, even if you go back into like the 40s and 50s and old Hollywood, it's always been, uh, media companies have always been owned. MGM have always been owned by billionaires. And the thing that I think is interesting about this is it's more scary for me when a billionaire owns a company that I can't have a say in. So, for example, I can't go and post on Bloomberg.com my thoughts. I can't go on the Atlantic and write an article. I can't get go onto the Washington Post and just post my thoughts on there. Elon has less control than any of those people do as to the content that appears on this forum. So why do you think that there is this like backlash as to this billionaire owning this media company where the versus the other ones? Well, it's a great, uh, you frame that really well. And and I I think anytime a billionaire does anything, there's, you know, they, they could do, I mean, Elon famously paid more in taxes last year than any human has ever paid in taxes ever. And yeah, still, people were upset, right? And I saw someone post something about how he bought this with money he should have been paying in taxes, which is like absurd. Yeah, and yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of misguided uh, memes or or anecdotes around this acquisition. Um, and frankly, I, I personally, this is my own bias and opinion. Elon seems to be more of a libertarian than anything else when it comes to his politics, and he seems to really prize free speech as as I do. Um, and he's even suggested he welcomes uh, critics on the platform. He, you know, even though he may not agree with them, he, he likes the fact that there's this place he can allow them to speak what 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 they see to be true or whatever. Um, I think that's actually a win personally for for democracy and and you know this country as a whole. Um, I know there are are far more uh, tenured experts in the space, such as like a David Sachs, that could talk a lot about why he thinks this is a great acquisition for for Elon and why Elon is is uh, the right person to kind of to guide this tool into the into the into the future um but yeah I, I really think the the pushback is more to do with it's a white billionaire doing a big deal uh male uh and and like that's an easy target like that's somebody that can that can do no right it seems so mm. i don't think there was anything elon could do that would get him a lot of praise frankly um yeah you and, saw and one- another thing Go ahead. I was going to say you saw the White House immediately start talking about repealing 230, which allows uh, Facebook and other um, media companies on the internet to not have to adhere to the same guidelines that pe- people like the Washington Post do uh, with, in terms of being a publisher. Sure. 
Um, yeah, moving away from the the platform to the publisher, right? That's the that's the uh, the angle there. And yeah, so like you can't you can't go and you know those companies like Fox News, for example, can be guided in a much more specific way that the owner wants it to be guided. Twitter, there it's much more a free fall. Elon can't go and say, "I want everybody to be tweeting about this subject." So why do you think a little bit deeper into that, like? Um, what do you think the worst that he could possibly do is here? Yeah, so I think I think the concern is, you know, it's it's now privately held. There's less transparency into the company and the inner workings. Although he's suggested he's going to do the opposite again, right? With make it with open like source, transparent algorithms and and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the 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 fear is that you know there could be this this uh, skewing of voice based on whatever Elon wants. The irony to that that concern is that was already happening, right? Just yeah. just. It was still, it was, we're pretending as though Twitter was run by a very <laughs> large group of people, like the entire country, but it yeah. was really run by a handful of people. You just didn't know their name. Well, the other thing is, is that we act like it was run by a bunch of school teachers who are all Democrats, but the thing is it was run by Vanguard, was their number two shareholder, <laughs> and um, the Saudi Arabian fund, mutual fund company or whatever their fund is called was also running it, which I don't think yeah. their, Elon was famous for tweeting to them saying that like, you're not very known for your track record on free speech. Yes. Um, you know, yes. They, they killed a journalist who spoke out against them. Um, and so their top two shareholders were obviously, you know, billionaires. And people are now, they just don't like this billionaire. Yeah, it's it's a this billionaire thing. But what else I was going to say, you know, like I said, you did a great job framing the the previous uh, or the, the other media outlets that are owned by big money. And, uh, you know, they, they, I will say, except for Bloomberg, obviously his name's on it. They do a pretty good job, kind of putting a little bit of a veil between them and the uh, and and the media conglomerate themselves. Like a lot yeah. of people, you would you would ask, like, who owns HBO? They have no idea. Like yeah. it's just like I, I don't know, you yeah. know. So I think because you know Elon is is arguably not just a um, businessman and a billionaire, but perhaps the world's biggest celebrity too. So I think that weighs into this in a in a really True. interesting way. Yeah, um, where. It doesn't like you know outside of the tech billionaires. I don't know that people are all that good at naming billionaires. I know. I, th- I think if people would freak out if Tom Cruise came and bought something, they'd be like, "I don't want Tom Cruise owning that." <laughs> I think you're exactly right. I think that's exactly right. So I think it's just it's a really interesting kind of um, place in the world where where celebrity is is intersecting with business, is intersecting with culture, is intersecting with pop culture, right? And it, and it and it's intersecting with respect to a platform that people usually chat about these things. So it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a very unique thing. And that's why, you know, it's, it's something that you and I could probably talk about literally for hours just because it is so unique. And, and I yeah. think the world's yeah. reeling from it. I think it's the one platform that people don't get turned off off of as easily. Like I don't know anybody who uses Facebook. People often complain that they don't want to touch Instagram anymore because it's bad for their health. You know, Twitter, they, like you said, I think you made a good point was that people act like this was perfect People complained about the bullying and hate speech that was on there already. They and weren't the censoring in the bots and the bullies that were going on there. They weren't censoring things that much. I don't know a lot of people that really got their accounts like censored and taken off. So I don't think that I think the majority of people that are complaining about this are not going to notice a single difference two years from now. And they're not going to be like, oh, you know, this is hurting free speech. I think if anything, what we're going to notice with Twitter is is uh, quite the opposite. Like we'll notice, we, like if I the, the irony to this is, if I could invest in Twitter now, I definitely would. Right? Yeah. Like an Elon run Twitter is a Twitter I want to. I want to. I, I mean, you know, I love Prometheus, but I want to work at Twitter too, like with an <laughs> Elon behind it. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's an amazing 
that could be an amazing company. And, Part of me and, wished he was going to keep it public so that we could yeah. all participate. I could see this going into the hundreds of dollars per share. Yeah. If, uh, and that's really what I was trying to, to do my math on is like, again, as a shareholder, I'm like, cool, they got back to IPO price, basically. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like they, you know, it's like, no, the, like there's a, there are shareholders that are going to do well in this. But for the most part, this is a, it's a dud of a company that's getting taken or taken private. And, and now they, they might have the proverbial, no pun intended, rocket fuel to go to the next level and we can't participate. That's the bummer. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I think anybody that's worried should be, you know, we should be more worried if like, you know, some political party specifically acquired Twitter or something. That, that would be a cause for concern. But you've got a person that has championed free speech, is more of a libertarian, kind of more hands-off government type of person. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, we're going to see Twitter be taken to a place that, you know, I'm more excited to use my account. I never really use my account. Uh, I don't tweet from my account much. Yeah, and all of a sudden, I started. I, I used it heavily as a news analyst to mm-hmm. look for breaking news and to, to try to find signal within that noise. And I still think that's going to be a, a a powerful part of Twitter is, is they are an incredible source of uh, breaking news. Um, but, but I think it's going to get even better. And, and then you're bringing in, you know, a team of people p- potentially that have a better handle on artificial intelligence than really anybody in, on the planet. I mean, he lands rockets backwards onto a small platform, like 10 meters wide on the ocean. Like he does <laughs> insane things. And he does, does that. that. And, and, you know, going back to the, the Tesla um, thoughts there, you know, there is a chance, you know, again, First of all, Tesla has some of the most amazing AI in the, the, that a consumer can access. You know, having mm-hmm. driven a, a self-driving quote-unquote Tesla, it, it's unbelievable to me that this exists at all. So, I, I think if you look at Elon, you look at the net good he's provided the world. You look at the net good he is providing the world. You look at his track record as an operator. And you look at him as a human. Boy, I don't know how you can really see bad in this. Beside the fact you're just mad you're not a billionaire, which fair. I mean, I'm, I'm mad I'm not a billionaire, but getting mad at Elon doesn't change that. Yeah. So. Well, you know, we I've been uh, super pro Elon throughout this, but let me play devil's advocate for a second um, and ask, like, you know, I totally agree that he should moderate content in a way that's goes in accordance to the law is what he said. You know, he's like, if it's illegal, you shouldn't say it, then, you know, we'll moderate it. Uh, that's kind of what his principle has been. What about for countries that have different laws than us? Mm. You know, and Twitter's a multinational organization. Um, it's a global product. How can you moderate something based on American laws that are international? It's an international product. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting and and uh, tricky question because just like you noted, our values are not everybody else's values. So, mm-hmm. how do we find the middle ground? And I think that's another interesting thing with people freaking out about this. It's like they're freaking out about Americans are freaking out about this, but like you know, our values might not be as sensitive or this aligned as other people's. And sure. this product that's brought to the world, much like a lot of other products, uh, it may be an American company, but it's a, a global use product. And yeah, I mean that goes into almost ever. a bigger a bigger question because it's like it's like the new way we bring American values into the world isn't through war or military means; it's through technology. And and no matter how we play nice or don't play nice, I'm sure we will. You know, I'm sure Twitter will play within the the boundaries of whatever country they operate in. Um, you know, it's already there have been a number of famous and well-documented cases where Twitter was the way in, you know, an election was, was won or lost in a number of countries around the world. Mm-hmm. So it's power and, and it's, it's, it's the caliber of the, of the impact is incredibly big. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they did it before, frankly, and I don't know how Elon will will alter that course or if he will. Um, but I'm sure like finding a middle ground between American values and law and whatever the country they're trying to operate in asks them to do will probably be where that where that lands. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, being able to moderate that Elon has said, like he hasn't figured it out, but that's going to be one of the trickiest things that he's going to have to do. And I think people are concerned about like, you know, people that are concerned about censoring those people and like, what's the definition of hate speech? Like if someone's bullying Jews on the platform, are they going to be censored? If something is not necessarily illegal, but it comes across as bullying, you know, there's a lot of uh, gray area there too. Sure, tons, and and that's going to be really interesting is how he deals with that. Because if you just go by the First Amendment, you may you may end up with a very off putting app. You know, there's a there's a high probability of that. But at the same time, you know that that at least keeps you a platform, not a publishing house, right? So so that's the other argument. And and I don't I think there's going to be a lot of development in the space over the next five years, regardless of what happens with Twitter. I think that the rules and definitions around what it means to be a social media platform. Uh, I think they're going to change. And I think that'll dictate a lot of the direction of this too. I think that doesn't get looked at. Another thought I had, what, what do you think the odds or what do you think the the likelihood is of Twitter actually just staying? Like Elon has never been a huge fan of having companies in the public market, it seems. He famously tried to take Twitter or uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tesla That's private right. and uh, you know, it fell through. But but what do you think the odds are if he like you know supercharges this thing, turns it into a, a cash cow? What incentive does he have to bring it public again? Like maybe it's like uh, something he can hold. He loves. He clearly loves it. Mm-hmm. Why would he take it public? Do you think there's a chance he he goes Just that direction keep, with it? Well, to turns it private and keeps it private. Keeps it private for you know indefinitely or or for as long as he cares to you know to be involved. Yeah, and another interesting thing, and and you know, we talked to Emmett Peppers about this, who's uh, a super huge um, Tesla investor, and he had something interesting where he's like, people think that Elon is disingenuous, but he's actually a very genuine person, and I think you got to believe him at face value for some of the things that he says. And when he says that he's not necessarily doing this for the money, I do believe him. One, it's a small amount of, it's not a huge amount of his net worth, crazy enough. Um, you know, he's up in the two hundreds of millions, and I think that's only going to increase exponentially as SpaceX. Right. Uh, SpaceX is not even public, and you've got Boring Company, and you've got Solar, so so many other things that he's building. Yeah, he's he's uh, crushing. Yeah, yeah, so this isn't a huge amount, and so I'm, I, he doesn't think that this is uh, monetizing this is a huge priority for him. And then the other thing, while I do think that he can monetize it as a private company, but the other thing he also said that was interesting on his TED talk was that he doesn't consume a lot, so he can understand he doesn't really understand this criticism of him as a billionaire because. A lot of his money that he does, he goes back into creating things and building things. He, you know, famously doesn't live an extravagant lifestyle. He doesn't buy yachts like the Bezos of the world. He doesn't live in a, you know, a five hundred million dollar house. You know, he famously, I think, lives in a forty thousand dollar fab prefab house that he leases from Tesla or SpaceX. Um, you know, I think he says his biggest extravagance is a jet, so that he can get more efficiency done. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think you mentioned something that completely gets overlooked, and and actually. I didn't even know it until I watched the SpaceX documentary on Netflix recently. Um, he basically took every dollar he had from PayPal and doubled down in a way that I don't know yeah. many humans that would have the the gall, the yeah. courage to do that. You know, like if I think if most people ended with, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus million dollars in their bank account, let alone triple digit hundred million, mm-hmm. 
they wouldn't go double down and they'd roll on making a jet. They'd be done. Yeah, they'd go buy the cool things and they'd live passively the the rich, extravagant lifestyle. Elon didn't do that, and and I I never thought he right. I I really don't think he's ever got the credit for that. Like he always is willing to take the money he's got and ante up with it. Like he's playing this lifelong game of poker where the outcome for him could be you know bettering. Uh, humanity uh, or existence yeah like the two companies i think what was interesting from that for me too was that one he said he told his team i you know i have money enough money for three rockets to launch into space three launches yeah Yeah, and they came back they failed all three times and he goes okay fine we'll we'll do one more and that was like pretty much his whole net worth um right like you had said and you know he doubled down on something that he believed in something and people think that the th- most interesting thing to me is that people think that he is one of these billionaires like the Bezos or uh, the Blue Origin and Virgin. Um, they're you know billionaires that are going up to space for thirty seconds. He's been doing this for seventeen years before he was a billionaire when he was yep. you know worth under a hundred million dollars or with his money from PayPal. And he's doing this to not just go up to space himself. He doesn't want to go himself. He's doing this to actually go and save taxpayer dollars because pre- previously we were spending about a billion dollars an astronaut. I know I'm just ripping off the documentary with that stat, but we were spending a billion dollars in astronauts to send them up using Russian technology. He's now costing like you know tens of million dollars to yeah. send an of taxpayer money to send an astronaut up. Yet people still complain that you know these are you know he's getting bailouts from the government. You probably remember the Colin Colin episode where they they discussed you know uh, Bernie Sanders was calling it out as a as I can't believe we're giving any money to this billionaire and is like well time out if we give it to NASA it's a 10x increase in the amount you spend to yeah. do the same work. So he's so, saving yeah, taxpayer dollars. Saving taxpayer dollars, but he's also, what I really respect about Elon more than anything is I've, I was one of the biggest Elon haters for a long time. I was like, I wish somebody would give me an open checkbook and let me do cool <laughs> stuff. Not knowing that again, this guy has put every dollar on the line before he got any help, you know, in terms of uh, investment back in. I was just, I was very ignorant with, with my statement, but his commitment to the proverbial craft, like what he is passionate about is otherworldly. It's all or nothing. You know, he doesn't just like dream of these things and like have a cool conversation and then like go on with his life. He puts everything he's got on it on the line there and and is willing to sacrifice everything along the way, it yeah. seems. And and I don't know how you can how you can hate that. I don't know how you can cannot have respect for that, especially like as we're talking about the the aim is for uh the betterment, it seems, of society. I don't know if you've used any of his products, but it seems like every one of his products you use, you're like, I can't believe this even exists. It seems like that's such an interesting angle that he's taken with all of his businesses. It's a boring company. He's trying to reduce foot traffic and make transportation easier by putting these tunnels that are traveling at you know insane speeds beneath the ground, making things more efficient. They cost half as much as traditional mm-hmm. subway stations and work much better. You know, his solar systems that he's building are going to outperform other solar panels. You know, everything that he does from Tesla to uh, the you know making space travel, we're going to do space whether Elon's involved or not. It's just whether we do it efficiently with less money, or and we let the Russians send our astronauts there, or we do it with Elon. Yeah, e- Elon seems to have this ability to pull the future to the present. That that's really what I keep coming back to with him. Like I think everything that I've experienced that's an Elon product would have existed at some point anyway. And, and and really, like I know he's a hell of a visionary, but I think the thing that gets overlooked with him, and this is going back to the Twitter thing, is is if he has one superpower that doesn't get talked about, it's his ability to hire. 
He's able to attract the best talent in whatever space he's working in because, A, he's cool, seems like you want to be around him, and he lets you kind of work how you want to work. And, and as a result, the best and smartest seem to come and, and, and work for him and, and do the incredible stuff. And that's why I think he's able to pull the future to the present. I mean, I, I literally felt like I was transported 10 years down the line when I first you know, put the self-driving on a Tesla and let mm-hmm. it take me up a mountain pass. It was incredible. Um, I'm not saying that wouldn't exist without him, but it definitely seemed like that's his, his power. So I'm, I'm really curious what he's able to do with social. We're obviously aware how much he likes Twitter. Um, who knows what's in the back of his mind, you know, from, I don't, I I can't think of much, uh, discussion in Twitter or elsewhere uh, on his behalf of what he would want out of a social platform. And this is a question I don't see being asked very much in the broader ether right now is, is what does, what would Elon do? What's Elon's vision for Twitter? Not what do we think, but like, you know, is he going to be hands off? Is he going to iterate? Is he going to enhance? I, I I don't know. Yeah. And a lot of people have like come in and started hating because they didn't like his or love his answer for how to imp- implement an edit button. And it's like the guy just started and he doesn't even own the company yet. <laughs> and yeah, um, you know, these you, the previous management has had decades to do it. Um, the other, other thing I wanted to mention too, is uh, what was interesting, I saw Walter Isaacson, who's currently writing the biography. He's famous for writing the Steve Jobs biography and amongst many others. Einstein, um, he's writing a biography on Elon right now, and he said that hours after the deal for Twitter was done, Elon was back at SpaceX fixing issues that were wrong with the current rocket that they're working on. Incredible, which yeah, is insane. So yeah. speaking on his ability to hire and multitask, and how I think that could, you know, all executives can learn from that. That goes into something that that I've heard him say multiple times, which is like, people would not want to be me, and he says it in a way that's very Elon, and it's like. You think you would want to be this billionaire, this like this like real world version of like Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> um, you know, you know, like yeah. Iron Man. But like the the reality is like his days are are nonstop every day. There's no point where he's just like kicking it. It seems like no. he's always on, and he's always like, you know, uh, he's the most interesting man in the world probably without a doubt at this point, but he's also probably like the legitimate most busy, not just busy yeah, to be bro, busy. People, I'd be in the Maldives with like you know, doing nothing. <laughs> if I had 0.0001% of his wealth, I'd be doing like absolutely nothing yeah. in the Maldives, drinking a beer, chilling. And he's like, I, he after he's done buying Twitter, he goes and continues working on how to make SpaceX yeah. better. It's interesting. And I want, I want, you know, you want to know what drives somebody like that. And I think people may, may be a little bit misinformed when they think that what drives them is just pure power. I don't necessarily think it's that with him. Zuckerberg may be a different thing, but like I completely agree with you. I I, I think I think you would he has he has already tasted power if that was his driver to a degree that would have satiated that in, in so many ways. And this would only complicate that. I don't think this adds to that. I think I think jumping into what a lot of people would consider to be like a dumpster fire, which is a social platform, and wanting to own that and and make that better. You got to really want to take on something hard, and and I think that's really what he's doing. So, yeah, I, I'm really curious to see where it goes. Like I said, I wish I could I could retain my shares somehow in like a mm-hmm. private company. It's not possible. Yeah, he has said that he's going to be taking. A, he might, you know, it's not in the press release. It's not official, but he'd mentioned during the TED talk he might take along some shareholders, but it's probably going to be like some of the guys like Jack, maybe, and people like that right. that can come along and participate. Um, but you know, I do think that like, if you look at his history and trajectory, his original idea, you know, according to like the last episode of this week in startups with Jason, um, his last, his original idea for SpaceX was to go and buy these Russian rockets, send them to space to basically create like a greenhouse in space, like basically a space station in space that had like plants and as a way to start right. that idea of moving us to, uh, 
space. off the planet. Yeah, which yeah. is which is exactly. not commercial idea at all. Uh, so, so I don't think he's doing this like going control and power and create power for things. Which kind of leads me into my next question for you. Um, I'd love to hear your ideal vision. You know, if you were the one owning Twitter, what's this? Mm. What's your ideal vision of free speech? Where's the line drawn? Do you let somebody like Trump back on? Obviously, is it more of like a time limit thing? Should he have ever been taken off? And then you have people like Alex Jones, who I totally don't agree with. You know, if he if he was talking about making up weird conspiracy theories about my daughter being not being really killed, I'd probably go kill him. But I think that you know, is that free speech allowed? Should be allowed on Twitter or not? Um, and how do you would you moderate that? It's a really interesting question. Uh, it's something that I've thought a, a lot about, and for the amount of thought I put into it, I don't have the best of, of answers. But ultimately, I do fundamentally believe in free speech above probably any other core value this this, this uh, country was was founded on. I think it's it's incredibly important and cannot be um, overlooked in terms of its importance. And and I I also understand there's no free lunch with with uh, with any of these ideas, meaning. With respect to uh, free speech, um, there's going to be edge cases we don't like, and 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 we have to we have to be okay with that because not that we like that, but the alternative is worse. And I think that's what we've started to see with respect to um, you know more and more of Silicon Valley's willingness to censor ideas they don't like. So back to back to the the I you know my opinion is. Yeah, I think Alex Jones should be thrown off the platform. I don't think any president that's going to incite violence should be able to incite violence. However, I would rather defer to the Supreme Court's definition of what is legal and not legal under the First Amendment and let that stand as the gold standard for a platform, especially like Twitter, um, than I would want to play power police because eventually I'm going to be on the wrong side of that coin. And, 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 And that seems more dangerous to me than than uh, than what I'm suggesting. So it's not a clean answer. It's not a perfect answer. And perhaps there's a better way to go with respect to free speech and and what this really means um, with maybe a little more nuance applied over the top. I think what I'm suggesting is a little more of a, a blunt instrument when we need more of a scalpel. But um, at least I would start there and then and then work toward the edge cases as to how mm-hmm. do you control that? How do you work with that? And, and uh, and keep reverting back to, like I said, like a first principles approach to, to what made this country um, amazing to start with. And, and it, may, it allows for like what we're doing right now. You know, like there are places in the world like Saudi Arabia, we couldn't do this. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's far worse to me, uh, even if it's in the name of good, quote unquote, than um, what, I'm, what I'm suggesting. Well, I think that they never, Twitter never started out with a you know, a constitution. We didn't, they didn't, they were kind of late to the game with building out a set of rules and operating guidelines. And I think that if you build that out and you let people know that if you do this clearly, you'll probably be suspended or something. And maybe it's a time. Yeah, no, I, I, you bring up a great point and you actually bring up a very relevant point for, for the the company we work for is, is we're actually facing that exact crux at this very moment. Or if you set forth your guidelines and principles from the start, it's actually, I'm not going to say easy, but you've at least made it, it, it known, and and it's it's something that you're not you're being proactive to, not reactive to. And I think Twitter had to be very reactive because I don't think when Jack built Twitter, he had any idea that it would become what it became. Yeah. And I don't think you build a product thinking, "Oh, I'm going to build this because it's going to influence the outcome of political events." It's like, no, you you just like think it's going to be this cool way that you and your buddies are going to communicate at, at, yeah. at best. 
you know, so I think we sometimes overlook like where these things started um, and, and just we assume we knew they were going to end where they've ended. And, and that's a complete misnomer because that's just not how it works. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good time for a reset there. And I think it's a good time to like, again, for Elon and company to be really proactive around what he's going to do. I mean, you know, the, 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 the edge case we really haven't discussed is there are these First Amendment um, uh, type of I'm missing off that like 4chan type sites that are like actually like they operate within the guidelines of the first amendment and 4chan may not anymore, but, but that's the idea. And they become just cesspools. Mm -hmm. And, and like there, that's more what I'm worried about is like, Hey, so cool. You've operating, you're operating within like the boundary of what I believe in, but now the content and the quality is just overrun by trolls or by like, you know, shock and awe, awful, um, stuff you don't even want to be around. You don't yeah. want to associate yourself with. That's more where I think the nuance is going to lay is like, how do you keep the signal high? Uh, if, you know, uh, free speech is exactly what, um, yeah. what, where they go with this. And that's where I think the genius, and it's been discussed before Elon, you know, came into the fray. Um, Lex has talked about it uh, years ago and he talked about it pretty extensively. Is like, what if you did open source the algorithms and you could pick the algorithm that filters your content. If you want chronological, mm -hmm. go chronological. You want an algorithm to, to show you new stuff? Well, let's show you what's driving that algorithm so that you mm -hmm. can pick the one that m most makes sense for what who you are and what you want. You know, yeah. that seems to be a, a, a more freedom-based approach to technology as opposed to this like black box that, you know, nobody understands and nobody tends to even really like, just seems to infuriate and, and uh, you know, takes the power away from the user. I, I, I don't think that's the, the call. I always do try to think of something, though. How do I make it not too sophisticated for a general user who might not even understand what you said? So like my mom might go use Twitter. She doesn't know how to go pick her own algorithm or what an algorithm means um, or how to filter her content or that she won't know that she's getting targeted in a certain way. And the majority of people outside of our bubbles don't understand what an algorithm means and what they're, that they're being targeted certain content in a certain way and how do we you know, moderate it. For, yeah, no, you, you bring up a really good point. I mean, I'm a product manager and, and to, to be totally honest, I can't like go build my own algorithm. I'm not like a mathematician, mm -hmm. you know, like there's still a black box oftentimes to, to even me and, and like it's supposed to be you know, within the purview of my job. So I, I think you're exactly right in that um, a number of, uh, we, you know, making this user friendly um, is, is key, kind of taking the Apple approach. Like you didn't need to know what was in your computer to know that computer worked. And that yeah. computer mm -hmm. fit your needs, and, and frankly, like not to like you know, talk my own book, but um, good product management in Twitter could could be kind of where that answer lies. Is like trying to understand the users and trying to understand how they're using the product and how you can make it seamlessly better is probably more where they need to go. While giving options to the quote unquote power users. I mean, I know you know Jason on this week in startups has had a lot of of uh, of thoughts as to like ways that you know this could be better for his use and that's a that's a, that's a great starting point like he's a power yeah. user and and you know well think about that how can he he can monetize this as a private company just by getting a little bit better and making this more accessible for people like jason or people with businesses yep. and brands or if you're an independent user like i still have a fake account out there that's using my like niece's photos and i can't get them to take it down i would pay a hundred mm. bucks to get them to take it down just like g suites for example like if i, I pay for my g suite account uh, for my for my Gmail, and I get a lot better customer service for 150 bucks a year. I think right. it costs. 
Um, I, it, yeah. You know, I can adjust my email name, what all that, my domain pointed to a certain thing, and I can get in touch with a customer service person. I had a Gmail account that I didn't pay for that it got deactivated somehow and I couldn't get a hold of anybody. Even when I got a hold of somebody, they said, we can't talk to you about that account. We can talk to you about your other account. Interesting. And I think that's a broad problem. It's so funny how bad customer service often is on these mega platforms. Like I've never talked to anybody in Instagram or Facebook, or Twitter, or any of these things. And we're yeah. talking about them like we like, they're, they're, they're definitely household names, but there's no hotline. There's no nothing to like really yeah. talk to these people. Um, one thing that has come up a bunch that we didn't really talk about is um, what do you think about the idea of, uh, um, how do you put this, like, of actually verifying users on, on the platform, either through monetary means or crypto or, or Web3 or whatever, basically being like, you can't have a, you have to be verified as a human, um, through some means. Um, and perhaps that would be financial. So for instance, you, Ryan, you know, had mm-hmm. to put a $20 deposit up to make an account. I do love that idea. And I love, I like the idea. I think it solves a little bit of it. Well, one, going back, the issue of trolls is because every time I see someone bullying someone, it's like their username is like poop123. Right. And they've got no followers and it's, you know, crazy. But if you do all the LinkedIn approach, everyone has their, their you know, full name. So they're accountable. Um, you know, people are a little bit more afraid of their work finding out that they're trolling people. That solves a little bit of that. I do like the idea that you can maybe pay a monetizable amount to get verified. That being said, it gets rid of the allure of being verified. So when you have that celebrity status or sure. you want to know that that person is that iconic figure, you know, if everybody's verified just by paying a couple bucks, then it you know takes away the so idea. We're talking of, badges. So what if it was like an orange check mark or a purple check mark for you know like you? It's actually like you paid the twenty bucks to you know prove mm-hmm. that it's you, and then it's like celebrity status. The sorry, I said blue. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. The the, the blue, we yeah. leave the like cool one for for what it is, you know, um, for being like the true celebrity or whatever. And even I'm not even specifically talking about it. Needs to be you. It just needs to be like there's some skin in the game with respect to like it. It would just by putting up money, even if you get it back, or even if you just have to do have to put it up. I, I don't know. I haven't thought it totally through. This is a complete use of of like Web three technology. Um, it it adds a layer of friction that would force people to want to be there right yeah. and 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 that alone i think could be an interesting interesting value add um, to making the discussions more i mean obviously we're building a social platform right now where the goal is to often bring in conflicting viewpoints and and see what shakes out of that but to do so in a respectful way i think well, we're using first name, full names, and to be yeah. part of our platform at Prometheus, you have to put in your full name and maybe some background information. With other platforms like LinkedIn, you're often connecting other accounts as well, so uh, to know it's really you. So I think that that definitely helps. Like for example, like even with some dating apps, you have to connect a third party account to prove that it's you. Right. Yeah. No. It'll it'll just be interesting to see the direct. It just because it seemed to me that Twitter was the place ideas went to die for so many years. I mean, I Mm -hmm. I put part of the onus on having a part-time CEO, Jack, who clearly put most of his effort into Square. I mean, you know, even if you just look at the amount of time he spent on their, on their quarterly calls, it was like, you know, he said like 10 words on the Twitter call and he was like running the show on the Square call. So, I mean, that was always the hope is when he left and we brought on, or they brought on a full-time CEO that like, oh, okay, maybe Twitter is going to improve for the better. Um, and we never even got to really see what the what the result of that may or may not have been. Um, but regardless, it seems like Elon is not going to. I mean, again, it sounds like he'll be a part time CEO if he's going to take that seat. Has he said he's going to be CEO? Is he? 
I don't think he necessarily will. I think he'll probably be like the chairman or, you know, he'll be the yeah, president so of the company. And, so yeah, so that'll be in. interesting. I think we know, so I know what I actually think is happening. Prague is still going to be the CEO. So Jack tweeted, so. Jack did tweet that Prague is going to be staying involved and that that's why he blessed this deal because uh, he believes in Prague. He chose Prague and a lot of people were hating on Prague for coming in and starting to censor things even more so. But J- Jack you know, actually yeah. Jack actually did say in one of his tweets that, you know, he that's why he chose Prague because he believes in him. And I, I think at the uh, all hands that they recently had at Twitter, one of the questions that Prague responded to was that we are going to solve a lot of these issues through better product. Like you were saying earlier, through better product features and better product design, we'll be able to solve a lot of these issues that people are so worried about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I think I think Prague um probably is is the big x factor and like fair like to suggest he was he was the big uh reason things were being censored or not censored or or whatever i guess censor was the thing who knows where that was really being driven from right like that could come from a number of different places within the company that may or may not have been his idea his his wanted outcome and maybe just what was going on so it it, it like it, it will be interesting to interject Elon's values into a tenured employee. That's you know, wasn't he CTO before he came in? The CEO, yeah, he was the right? CTO, and now yeah. he's the CEO. I do think they'll keep him around for a little bit. I think when Elon referred to current management, I think he was referring to the broader management, the um, board, the board, and maybe other people that worked there and yeah. wanting to clean house there. But I, I think yeah. there's a, I think there's a way to keep this going. And, and I always relate it back to like libraries. If you came in and said, we're going to limit the amount of library books that are in a library, people would lose their minds. If you started burning books and throwing them away into a public library, people would absolutely lose their minds. In fact, like I consider myself pretty left-leaning, more liberal. I came from Canada, which was typically like that. And in the 70s, in the 60s and 70s, liberals were in the left wing were way more for free speech Right. And, um, you know, the way more radical than what we think the right is like today. Uh, you know, we they were holding protests and anti-war protests and um, about, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of liberties. And it seems to have shifted now where we get afraid if somebody speaks out against something that we don't like. And obviously, we're, I'm not talking about things we don't like when someone talks about, you know, our children weren't actually murdered or Trump inciting violence. Right. No, I, I, I agree. I, I understand. And I, I fully uh, agree with the, your sentiment around the political affiliation and how that's swapped and how weird and screwed up that is in my head. And I don't even know what to do with it. That's why when people ask me, what political party do I affiliate with? I'm like, none. I don't even know how, where to go with that. Yeah. If you look at like the the Beatles, for example, if you look at their so what their songs were about and what they the revolution that they were trying to create in the 70s and 80s, it was all about more discussion, more freedom of speech, saying what was on your mind, less hate. And I think the issue was that we had this injection of hate that got entered into sure. the discourse. What, what do you think the odds are of a Coinbase style? Who's the CEO there? Brian Armstrong, Brian, is that right? Yeah, Brian Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the odds are of some kind of like like, like again, reset of culture letter that he kind of did was like, Hey, look, you want, like when we, when you're at Coinbase, you're going to, you're going to work on Coinbase things and you can check the politics at the door. Mm-hmm. You know, Twitter seems to be a place where politics and, and culture and company have collided. I, I've obviously never worked there. I've had one friend yeah. that's worked there. Definitely. And that happened that at a few companies. I think it happened at Shopify as well. Toby released a similar yep. memo to his team. Um, I think that if Elon did that now, it'd come across too antagonistic. I think they already know his viewpoints okay. and he's already tweeted about it um, yeah. and he's already put that out there. But I think, you know, Prague seems to be someone who the, that's more in the middle and he could probably preach those values to the team. 
But I think that maybe tensions are too high for him to release a memo like that. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I, I just think that the, the coming of, of those types of resets across the board seems eminent. And, you know, with some sort of uh, pivot like this, it seemed like a time that something, I mean, I'm sure there'll be memos that are circulated that we're not privy to. But. Well, what's also interesting that no one's talked about is no one really knows Elon's political viewpoints. It's not like he's coming out and saying that you right. guys can't talk about this at work. He hasn't come out and said that I don't believe in gender values or you know, trans people being able to, you know, use their pronouns. He doesn't come out and say anything like that. He's pretty mysterious when it comes to his. He is. He, uh, I, I really believe, I mean, if uh, this is just my own take, but he's very libertarian, which is kind of like, I, I don't get in your business. You don't get in my business. You know, yeah, I, do I don't think he less, was pro Trump government. At all. He yeah. seems left government, you know, that, that definitely seems to be a thing. And he definitely seems like the kind of guy that would rather, you know, ask for an apology than ask for permission. That seems to be his, his, his Yeah, MO. exactly. He's never said anything that was pro-Trump or pro-right-wing politics. The only thing that he's ever really done was, and I don't blame him for this, was when he wasn't getting the you know credit that he deserved for building Tesla. And you would see, uh, you know, for example, I saw Biden go and recommend GM for building like the best electric cars. <laughs> I and that one. That was and he was sitting there like, uh, we are, we're the number one electric car builder in the world yeah. uh, and we're getting no credit for it. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it's as, um, you know, I don't, he, he doesn't talk about politics. We don't really know where he stands. He's never said anything pro-Trump uh, or vice versa. So You, you want to finish with some predictions? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> All right, but, no, it's, I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, so right now, uh, let's see here. I, I wrote it down. Um, the, the number of monthly active users in the United States for Twitter is somewhere, I want to say like 69 billion, or sorry, a million. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a large number. And then if you look at the, entire number of users. Uh, I want to say it's 267, 270 million users worldwide with Twitter. Mm -hmm. This compares to like 2.7 billion users for Facebook. So roughly one-tenth the number of users. So um, as a result of this, um, we can both make our predictions. Do you think the number of users on Twitter that stick around go up, stay the same, or fall? I think it falls by less than a percent. I think that it's marginal and no one really notices, just like every okay. time, every other time that people threaten to do something. Um, you know, people that we also had, let's look back, we looked at, we had Delete Uber. Uh, it did drop a lot, you know, to crush the company, but, you know, it did, did kill it forever. No, it probably, I think uh, maybe uh, deletions were up like maybe 5%. Um, you know, if we, we had it, like we had this boycott idea happen a lot um, and it never really, it, cre- it created a significant enough effect. Sorry, in Uber, I'll go back that they had to remove the CEO, but that was right. also a lot of other, other issues things. that were going on yeah. at the time. So I do think that this isn't going to have as significant an effect as that did, and that ha- there were some much more serious things going on when- that caused people to want to delete Uber, like the CEO being in the backseat of an Uber yelling at the driver, but um, and also the sexual assaults issues that yep. were happening there. So I don't. I think this is like less than one percent user decline. Uh, which I don't think is going to kill it, and most of those users are going to come back anyways. What, okay, um, I'll answer mine in a second. What, what, now, now, fast forward uh, one year and five years, do you think the company has grown their user base the same or less? Same question. In one year, I think their user base has grown by 15%, and in five years, I think they are up there with Instagram. Okay. Uh, I'll take the same questions now. Yeah. I think this will actually result in a net increase in users. I don't think it'll be notable, but I think uh, the number of people that have heard the word Twitter in the last True. you know two weeks yeah. that didn't hear it you know ever in the last two years 
uh, as kind of pique their interest. Uh, however, I think those will not be sticky users because again, the product is very niche. And as a result, I think you're just going to get most of them check it out and leave, maybe make an account. That's that. Um, I think you will see if I were to bet, I would never bet against Elon. Um, I actually think you're exactly right. I think Twitter, uh, could become. That's why I wish I could bet on it. You know, I, I don't think this will be the most likely outcome, but it's a more possible outcome than it's ever been that Twitter will become the the most valuable in terms of user experience uh, social app in the world. For sure, yeah, definitely. It's going to kill. It's going to kill Facebook, and it's going to. I think you'll find a way to somehow bring this. Yeah, into the, the you know, you know, you know, the short on this actually. Now that we're talking about it, is Facebook. It was already a mm-hmm. short, right? Yeah, but like you know, the, if you want to play, if you want a weird way to invest in Twitter, short Facebook, because because yeah, exactly. that could be the 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 way that this churns is it's just like if you know those users in and I know it's a different product, but um, I I think that the number of users that do not have a good user experience there that are still um, I do know that a number of Facebook users still go to Facebook for news. So yeah. if this could be a, a viable way that those users can move over and and have their connections still be met, and the only other thing Facebook's got at that point is their marketplace, their 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 you know garage sale type you know community marketplaces. Um, I don't know that Twitter would ever take an, take aim at that, but but boy, that's a that's a real I don't know hollow uh, use of an application if it's basically a you know a, a Craigslist at that point that's worth how many billions of dollars so who knows it'll be yeah. interesting but the one the yeah the last the last thing i'll say on that is that i think that the one magical thing that they've been able to create is that different from every other social app like even linkedin which is more business oriented twitter has always been able to attract the best smartest mm. people in their fields to use it as their voice they don't go on instagram they don't go on facebook they they, they may have a linkedin account but they don't use it um you know maybe there's you know some people using LinkedIn, but uh, as their voice, as their platform of choice for like the PhDs and the mm-hmm. iconic figures, the iconoclasts that we look and admire, if I want to hear what they're saying, what their thoughts are something, the first thing I do is go to their Twitter account to see what they're That's saying right. about something, whether it's a journalist or whatnot. So something along the product creation of that company led to people feeling that way, which is what we're trying to create with Prometheus, obviously. But it led to these experts preferring that platform over every other one to communicate their ideas. And whatever that was, that's the value I think that Elon's buying. And I think right. that's what um, you know makes it a magical product that kept it alive, even despite its lack of functionality, which really, you know, which is only gonna get better from here. Yeah. No, I think that's really well put. And that's that's what, like I said, I'm, I'm really like you you just drove it the most important part, which is they have some of the most interesting people in the world creating content for free on a platform. That's yeah. a great buy. That's yeah. a great buy. Like, who doesn't want that? It's a masterclass every day. Emmett says this really amazing. Uh, he actually pinned it, I think, on his Twitter profile. He says, Twitter are the cheat codes for life, or Twitter is the cheat codes for life. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you know, and, and yeah, if you, we, we're so accustomed to this world where everything's at our fingertips. But, but if you think about all the, the, the incredible, like it's it's like a it's like a bunch of superhumans all together in one place at one time, and if you can really you know if they can really figure out more of how to get more of that signal out of that noise, that really is perhaps one of the most powerful things on the planet right now. So, um, or that the world's ever knowing. So, well, love having these conversations with you, Jeff. Thank you yep. for the time, and go back to building Prometheus and making it great so we can have <laughs> Thanks, some, uh, some of these people on here. Thanks, man. Yeah, take care. See ya.